This is DVM Loading, a podcast about the life of professional students from a veterinary perspective. With your hosts, Carling Hemstreet and Caitlin Marr, we go through the daily life of being in veterinary school with a fun twist. Let's get loading! Hey everybody, this is uh, DVM Loading with your host, Caitlin Marr and Carling Hemstreet. And we just wanted to welcome y'all back to another episode. How have, uh, how has your spring break been, Carling? Oh, it was wonderful. Um, got to see so many friends and family. Um, was able to do some bridal portraits, um, so a little bit more wedding stuff. Did the finalizations with my wedding planner about some wedding stuff. So um, we're pretty much good to go. I don't need to see anybody again until June. <laughs> I know. I Over spring break, I was just contemplating Oh my gosh, there's literally less than two months until summer. Crazy. And we're 25% vets. 25%. Who let us that? (laughs) And and then, you know, the years just keep going faster and soon we're really going to be doctors and people are going to look at us for advice. I love it. And I'm like, I don't know anything. I'm ready for it. Um, Today, Carling and I have a fun topic we want to talk about. It's actually something our uh, school you know, made us do, I guess, for an assignment. It was an assignment at first. And uh, we all took our Enneagram test and found out what personality types we have and how that can benefit us and also what some of the weaknesses are for us to look out in the future. Um, Carlin, can you tell me what types you are? So I am a two-wing eight, which means that Um, A two is kind of like the trusted advisor for your friends. So it means that I tend to give a lot of advice. Like I take a lot of um, emotional pride in people coming to me and like relying on me. I'm apparently a very comforting source of of advice. So um, I really like to be that kind of like person for people to lean on. Um, which is great. Obviously, I really enjoy doing that. But um, the downside to that is that I can tend to put people's needs, other people's needs before my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a really hard time saying no. Um, and so I've really taken that into account, especially here at vet school, because everything is so draining and you are so limited on time. Um, I have to put myself first sometimes. And so I have to be able to say, no, I need to do this. Um you need to go find it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, been a journey for me. For uh, sure. So. All good things, though. Um, I am a three-wing seven, which is kind of odd because that's not a normal wing for threes. Yeah, eight's not a normal <laughs> wing for twos yeah. either. So I think that just tells you how all across the spectrum we are for the personality test. Um, my three is my highest one, and, and it's the achiever, which I think is very accurate when I think about, like, my goals and life aspirations. Um, I've always been very motivated and try to stay as busy as I can. Shout out to my mom and dad for keeping us busy as kids. Um, and I, another thing, and we've talked about it before, is is I feel that my success is tied up in my achievements and something that I can produce, something that's tangible. And so that's something that threes struggle with. Um, and my my seven type is the enthusiast, which I don't know if it comes off that way, but I always try to be the most enthusiastic, optimistic person in the room because my thing is, is why would you spend your day being upset and angry when life's so short? You can be happy, especially when you're here living a literal dream. Um, I don't have any bad days, and if I do, they're few and far between. And with that, 
one of the weaknesses that I do struggle with is always putting my positive energy into others and not feeling like I'm being recharged in a sense, which I guess is nobody's responsibility um, other than myself. And so sometimes I can just get so overstimulated that I blow up and become a person, you know, that is just very, I don't know. Um, not nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not mean, but I'm definitely not a fun person to be around when I'm not myself. And so it's really cool to learn about your mm-hmm. strengths and weaknesses, especially as a doctor in the future and as someone that hires employees and stuff. So I recommend it. It's online. It's free. Yeah, no. So my wing, I don't think I talked about my wing. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, so two being the advisor and then my eight is uh, my wing, which means that that's kind of like your second uh, like default, mm-hmm. not like personality, like you have multiple personalities, yeah. but it's kind of like another aspect of your personality. Um, eights are like the, the really, um, they're like the challengers. The challengers, like they are very, um, direct and they're very, they're like assertive, Yeah, you know? And so they can be kind of pushy people. They can be pretty opinionated, um, they tend not to really care about what other people think, which mm-hmm. can be both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I definitely was probably mainly an eight when I was younger, definitely when I was in high school. Cause I just didn't, I did not care what mm-hmm. people thought, which there's, there's confidence in that, but I'm still confident. And yet now I actually do care what people think. Yeah. Um, and I, and I value that input versus I feel like I was too immature back when I was in high school to really like think that people had their my best interests at heart when they, you went when they from did stuff like, like that the least emotional spectrum to the most emotional. I know right because twos are super like yeah. very like what other In people touch. do uh, affects them or like what other people say to them affects them and uh, versus like an eight is like yeah. the opposite so I it's very uh, like weird for a two wing eight but I mean I think we have a lot of eights in our class and probably in the class of 25 as well because they are the people that, like, go after what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very pushy with it. They're very assertive. They don't back down. Yeah. And that is something that you have to have to get here. So. I agree. Like, in undergrad, I was um, heavy eight. Mm-hmm. And then coming here now and retaking the test after, after it's been a year or two since I've last taken it, um, that has shifted for me. And I think that it's shifted pretty accurately around my um, character now. as a professional student so I agree with Carling eights you know you got to have a little eight in you Mm -hmm. to get in this tough program to get anywhere and it doesn't mean you have to stick with that and it doesn't necessarily mean being an eight is a bad thing we need eights in the world yeah um just like we need everyone else so Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty neat we we use these to learn about our classmates and yeah. stuff. And it was originally in the context of an anatomy groups because it was at the start of our spring semester. So we, we were moving into large animals. So it was our original groups of five that we all dissected the dogs with. Mm-hmm. And then now with the large animal, we combined with another group of five to dissect um, a horse and a goat mm-hmm. per like one big group of 10. Yeah. So it was like new group dynamics. And I know for me with my group, uh, my original group of five, we got along great. Like we're really good friends. We, we joke, we have a great time while in anatomy lab and we kind of have what worked for us. And then our sister group that we were paired with also had their own way of doing mm-hmm. things and it worked really well for them. But when we combined into our giant group of 10, it kind <laughs> of turned into a disaster because the, I, I don't want to say like the leaders of each group, but it was like the assertive people mm-hmm. of, of each group. Um, the eights, 
I mean, they are eights. Both yeah. of them are eights. Y'all have but, a lot. Uh, yeah, we actually have a good amount of eights, but they, um, like, they just wanted to be that assertive mm-hmm. type, you know, and so their communication wasn't great because they weren't, I mean, they were the same, so they both wanted to be um, the person dissecting. They they wanted to be the one that basically, I don't want to say called the shots, but, like, yeah. um, they wanted to be that person that, like, everyone kind of, um, like, looked to, which, mm-hmm. again, isn't a bad thing, but, um, but I mean, between the two of them, it was, it was kind of difficult. So, um, like, as a group, it can be good to be aware of that so that you can either recognize when a situation is going poorly or um you know you can you can do something about it so I agree um it was really interesting because we all talked about what our scores were I guess our types and looking around the classroom by the people you sit next to every day of your life it feels like uh to find out what types they were it was really cool because there were some people who didn't lead on the persona of the type that they got and it's more uh, subdued and, and things like that. So it was really cool to listen and actually sit down and listen to our fellow classmates and find out what works for them, what doesn't, their strengths and their weaknesses. Because at the end, you know, we, we range from all the way up to nine. Um, but we are more similar than different, in my opinion. Yeah, so our the, the where we took our quizzes for to find your Enneagram type was your Enneagramcoach.com. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, want to go and find your own Enneagram, uh, you can Google that and um, you can go and see what type you are. It was it was really interesting and I think it helped us as a class and then I think it's also something that practices use as well for their staff mm-hmm. to see um, how they can communicate better. Um, Because it's just, you know, if you know that this person, you know, is an eight, you can go up and you can say, I need you to do this this," and be very direct and they won't be offended by it. Versus if you go to someone who is a little bit. It's like a two. It's like a two. You can't speak to that, like them like that, like that direct. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, and it may be if you're trying to give um, criticism, like constructive, constructive criticism, um, you may go about it differently. Um, not that you're going to sugarcoat it one way or the other, but, um, it may just be the delivery could be changed, um, to make that a constructive talk Mm -hmm. instead of something that's going to be like attacking. I agree. I think there's a lot of veterinarians out there that use this for their staff, um, because you want to surround yourself in an environment where people are willing to learn and learn from each other. So knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses is only going to make you a stronger clinic and work more efficiently. So I think this is something that I'll take from clinical skills and I'll use it in my practice because I don't want all eights or all threes or all of any type. I would like a really healthy mix, but I'd also like for my staff and other veterinarians to know what those types actually mean and that you have to do some self-reflection to realize you know, some things you may say may be triggering or not to certain people. And, and just like what people may say to you may upset you and strike your personality different. And so I think it's a pretty cool tool. I think it is. And in, and if you're in practice, I mean, it's not, doesn't need to be a whole big thing. Pretty much what you could do is you can have everyone take the quiz by the, uh, like on their own time. And then you do a lunch and learn Yeah. where, you know, you buy everyone lunch and then we all sit down and you just kind of talk about it. I mean, it doesn't need to be a big whole drawn out thing. Um, it can be in a, a constructive way, but 
um, I just think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it and it's also funny whenever you hear somebody say like, oh, I'm type this and that. Like I actually it happened to me. Like I said, I was a type two two wing eight, and one one girl was like. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, like, it, it kind of clicks for people. And so um, that way, you can know, you can make sure that you're you're getting everything that you need for for yourself and your yeah. emotional well-being. It's just a fun modern way to get to know a little bit more about your peers. And so I like it because a lot of people have been able to say to me, like, oh, a three makes sense mm-hmm. or a seven makes sense. You exemplify that. Yeah. And so it's yep. pretty neat. Yep. If you also want to email us, um, Enneagram is a weird word. Oh, so if yes. you don't know how to spell it, uh, you can email us. Also, I really would like to talk to more of you. I know. We, we want to talk to you. Yeah. Shoot us an email with any of your burning questions and hopefully we can answer it for you. And like this podcast platform is not just for Texas vet schools. Um, it's really for anyone. And so I'd like for listeners from other state schools or out of states or I guess not out of state, (laughs) other countries and stuff to uh, shoot us an email and talk to us. We'd love that. Shout out to our one German listener. Yeah. There's one of you out there. (laughs) So we, on our analytics for our podcast, we, our most common areas is the U.S., Canada, because of Carling's family, and then Germany. So whoever that is, we appreciate it. Much love. And y'all just keep liking us and listening. And yeah, so today we're going to talk about Uh, joining clubs and obtaining leadership positions in vet school. And this is something Carling and I are super passionate about Mm -hmm. because crazy enough, um, we're very involved. And I think some of it happened by accident. Yeah, it's Um, true. And so uh, it's all just a conversation, kind of like how this podcast started. And so we're going to talk about some of the clubs at uh, TTUSVM and some of these clubs are national on a, like a national level. So your schools will have them as well. And so I encourage you to reach out to those programs and, uh, just get involved. Yeah. So some of these, like Caitlin was saying, some of them are national. Most of them I think are national. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then some of them are just, uh, statewide. So like TVMA is just the Texas Veterinary Medical Association. And Tiva. And Tiva is just Texas, but I'm, I'm sure that other states probably have something similar, Mm -hmm. um, for that specific state. But, um, if you're ever confused about whatever we're talking about, again, you can email us, um, or you can just ask your friends or Google it. Um, there's typically a lot of resources online, but, um, the clubs that I am involved in is I am actually the, uh, SAVMA president elect starting in the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, so that means that's for the student American veterinary medical association. Um, it's the student side of the, um, AVMA. AVMA. Uh, so they really try to support and, um, help vet students while they're in school. Uh, and so I will start with that in the fall. Um, pretty excited about that. And then, um, I am also a part of VBMA. I know we've talked about that a couple of times. It's the Veterinary Business uh, Medical Association. Management Association. Management Association. Oh God, we don't (laughs) even know the acronym. There's too many. Cody's going to kill us. Um, and then, uh, I'm also in the Companion Animal Club. Um, and the reason that I chose those clubs, um, they both, uh, Companion Animal Club and VBMA is because, um, I only wanted to be in about two or three because mm-hmm. I know I couldn't handle 
being in much more than that. Um, but I really like com- uh, companion animal medicine. I really like that small animal medicine. So that gives me that like small animal fix. Yeah. And then VB Mays, like we've said before, it's I really want to have that education um, of owning a vet practice uh, and then um, using that. And then also VB May has a certificate that you can uh, mm-hmm. complete that actually where you can um, use that certificate to negotiate a higher starting salary. So that was another really big Yay for money. motivation to be a part of that. Plus, I, I do find it very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, Caitlin, what kind of clubs are you in? So, like Carling had mentioned, it's hard not to want to be in all of them, especially if you're interested in mixed animal medicine, because unfortunately at uh, TTUSVM right now, we don't have a designated mixed animal club, which would be really cool if we could get that started. Um, but I am a part of uh, the student chapter of the AAEP, and so I get my little horse fix. I'm a member of VBMA as well. It is the management association, by I the way. I thought it was right. It is. <laughs> um, so I'm a part of VBMA also, which uh, allows me to gain more information on the business side of owning a vet clinic and just in general. Um, I'm also on the track like Carling to uh, complete that certificate because we'll be able to graduate with kind of a little bit of business honors or mm-hmm. something along those lines. And and uh, statistically, graduates with those uh, credit, like those um, certificates, have, you know, a higher starting salary, which is great. Who's going to complain about that? And the good thing is, is it's a small year, you know, once a year fee or and, and it's worth it. Um, I'm also a part of TEVA, which is uh, just Texas Equine Veterinary Association. And so another horse thing, because I guess if you can't tell, <laughs> I'm very equine motivated. Um, TEVA also started a new program or, or paired with to start a new program called Starting Gate. And I know I talked about it last week a little bit, but I'll go into more detail now. Um, it is for veterinary students that are interested in equine medicine after graduation, and it's just a platform where equine mentors come in and, and kind of just serve as like a mentorship in a group to relay, you know, successes, failures, goals, things like that. And so their goal with this program is to uh, retain more equine practitioners upon graduation because uh, equine medicine has the highest, you know, I guess, burnout rate. Most equine practitioners only stay in the business for about five years before they switch over to another um, path in vet med. And so with this organization, they're really trying to help out while students are in school, giving us the resources um, and the connections to talk with other practitioners who have made a successful life out of being an equine vet. And so that's something I'm super excited about being a part of. Um, because I'm surrounded by a lot of like-minded individuals and as well, I'm getting a good, uh, I guess, mentorship about being a, a hopeful equine practitioner because I've seen it in person, you know, the burnout is, it is high in equine medicine and I'd like to have a long career in equine mm-hmm. medicine because horses are going to be here forever. They're a passion for, your, for mm-hmm. you and so you want to stay in it a long time. I totally yeah. understand that. So that's something really cool and I'd encourage you to look into uh, through your chapters and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. There's students from lots of vet schools that are part of the program and so it's cool too to network with them and to see how their vet school experiences are similar and different. Um, like Carling had said, uh, 
not being in too many organizations is super important. Because if I could, I would join the Food Animal Club and the Companion Animal Club, too. I'd be in literally all of them. But um, I was fortunately elected as a class officer by my class of 26. Thank you, guys. Um, And so I'm serving as a class officer and a part of all of these um, clubs. So there's really no room left for me to um, get involved in anything more because we've got the podcast, too, Mm -hmm. and... And uh, we're student workers, which is really fun. But I'd recommend to do what you're most passionate about. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think thinking about um, clubs that you're passionate about, you actually want to go and do the things that they're either talking about or that they're doing. Because clubs will also give you experience through wet labs um, or like uh, vaccine drives or whatever um, specific to that club that you're in. Um, you can get more experience doing that kind of thing. So, like, for example, in the Companion Animal Club, we had a wet lab uh, where we actually had um, multiple nutrition um, companies come and talk to us about uh, uh, small animal obesity, so Mm -hmm. dogs and cats, because that's the number one killer of small animals is obesity. And so how to have that conversation with those owners, how to explain to them the issue of obesity and then different food options that you can provide them um, and basically how to make a nutrition plan. Um, mm-hmm. You can do stuff like that. I know in the um, Equine Practitioners Club, they I mean, that's how you went and looked yeah. at that splint surgery last week. And yeah, so I've gotten to do two surgeries um, and go to a lameness wet lab sponsored by some really talented uh, DVMs. And so without being in that organization and being involved, I wouldn't have, I would have missed out on those opportunities because uh, they're not open to the entire school because there's just not enough yeah. resources uh, for a hundred something of us to come mm-hmm. and do. So very thankful for the wet lab opportunities. Absolutely. And so like my thinking is that I, because I don't have a whole lot of ruminant experience, I probably should go and join the food animal club because Mm -hmm. then I would be able to get more hands-on experience, but I just do not have the time to do that. And so that's why um, I just decided I was going to go do more externship related Mm -hmm. ruminant stuff versus being involved in food animal because I was basically, I was in the two clubs that I wanted to be a part of. I'm already in SAVMA Mm -hmm. uh, officer and like we have the podcast like that like I will not (laughs) we're drained (laughs) we're drained already so it's like I can't go and do everything because I would also love to be in the equine Mm -hmm. uh like uh practice because I don't um I don't want uh, I want to work with horses yeah so um anyway so basically you need to pick which ones you want to be in Mm -hmm. um and and choose what you're passionate about and what's actually going to um, give you life while you're in vet school yeah. because those things are going to what remind you they're going to be what reminds you of why you want to do um, the certain vet med that you want to do mm-hmm. you know so you need to let those fuel you and not not drain you I agree um, I I think I I've worked with myself to I'm in these clubs that I'm in now serving in these leadership positions that I'm in I think next semester if over the summer I didn't get enough large animal fix um, ruminant fix, I mm-hmm. think I might join the Food Animal Club. Yeah. I know that'll be one more thing on my plate, but hopefully I'll be able to handle it. Um, handling these clubs and leadership titles has gone well so far, yeah. so 
it is hard. It's hard to not be able to be in all of them because mm-hmm. I know Carling and I and a lot of you are similar in the sense of when we were in high school or undergrad, we were in so many things. We had issues saying no to people. Mm-hmm. I was in so many clubs, in so many leadership positions, and I think I wouldn't have gotten here without those. But now that I'm here, I got to buckle down and you got to uh, make sure school is your number one priority. Yeah, absolutely. While these are really fun and I'm so glad that I'm able to attend wet labs and listen to guest lectures and have, um, you know, lunch and learn type things with our reps. Uh, school is number one at the end of the day and you've got to do good, uh, if you, especially if you want to be a leader in mm-hmm. your community. Those people are going to look back on you in times where they're struggling and ask how, you know, you can help them navigate these rough waters. Because let's be honest, you know, all of the leaders, we still even have struggles and classes and stuff. But it just, I don't know, it shows that we're human. And and it's pretty cool to be in a leadership position here in vet school because Mm -hmm. it's a small class. And um, I think that having the representation of us in our class. I don't know. It's, it's kind of awesome. It's, it's hard to explain your classmates picking you, mm-hmm. voting you in. Um, it really is humbling at the end because it means that they care for you and they see talent in you too. So no, I, like, I love it. Yeah. And I, I, and I know we're talking about telling you to go be involved, but if you don't feel like you can be involved to the level where you can keep your grades, where they need to be so that you can actually go and be a doctor at the Mm -hmm. end of the four years. Like, don't be involved, you know? Like, you need to prioritize school first. And if you can do leadership positions or clubs on top of that, because, like, for my companion animal club in VBMA, I have no plans of being a leader or uh, being in an officer position for those clubs. Agreed. Um, Because there's also a difference between being a part of a club and then being in a leadership position of that club. Um, so, I mean, if you, it's totally okay to just be a member of the, cl- uh, of a club and not holding a leadership position. It's totally That's okay <laughs> not being in any clubs. Yeah. It's totally okay. Um, wanting to like, you know, shoot for the moon and, and doing a whole bunch of stuff. As long mm-hmm. as you can keep your grades and you can actually get it, be a doctor yeah. by the end of it, it doesn't matter. But I definitely think that clubs offer you and leadership positions offer you, um, different aspects of the veterinary industry and different aspects of veterinary school where you can actually get more out of it uh, than just school, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and, and I mean, the network op- networking opportunities through those clubs and officer positions are astounding. So. I agree. I, I have to second what Carling said. We're all here pushing um, to join clubs and everything. But we didn't really start joining any clubs until midway of our first semester. And if even towards the end. Yeah, and we likely. weren't even allowed to run for anything until this spring. Yes. Um, and, we and were just allowed to join things in the beginning, in the middle of the fall. Yeah. And so if you can't do anything your first year for whatever reasons, like if that's just a rule you have set for yourself to make sure you can handle that school, that is 100% okay. There are so many of our classmates that are doing that. And guess what? Those clubs are still going to let you join the next year, the next year, the next Mm -hmm. year. And so you get out of it whatever you put in. And if you're not ready the first year, that's okay. Nobody says you have to be. Um, And it doesn't mean you're going to miss out on everything or be behind because that's not the intent of organizations like this. Um, So I recommend whenever you feel stable and, like, you're ready to join something, if you ever want to, go ahead because you'll find – 
a really, really good small group of individuals who share similar goals as you. And maybe, you know, they can be your business partners in the future. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, especially for schools that have a complete four classes, yeah. uh, um, I think it can be really good to meet some upperclassmen or some, some people that aren't in the same class as you. Mm-hmm. And that way you have um, people to go to for advice, you know, um, whether or not, I mean, it's anything about like externships or um, just school and class, you know, I mean, it, it helps whenever there's, I mean, 150 people in your class times four, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's 600 people. You're not going to meet 600 people. Like, Uh -uh. so, you know, the more people that you can meet uh, that that know what you're going through, I think the easier you can make it on yourself. And and clubs are an easy way to do that. Um, Plus, you get to have a little bit of fun while doing it. And um, Yes, I remember last semester when I got to scrub in to an arthroscopy with Dr. Brown, who is a really great man, great professor, great surgeon. And uh, I got to do that. It was towards the end of the semester and it just relit the fire in Mm -hmm. me that the semester had tried to drag out of me. And then going to go palpate with Dr. Roof, Mm -hmm. that was, again, just those little things being involved. Oh my gosh, y'all, you will not realize how much it means to you until you're out there doing the things, attending the wet labs, you know, watching the surgeries and things like that, because vet school, you can forget the importance and what it's like on the outside. It's not always just going to be didactic stuff. Mm -hmm. And so don't forget why you're here, what you want to do. So the organizations offer a really cool outlet for you to get to do those fun things and be taught by other individuals. Mm -hmm. And the whole leadership position, it does offer so much networking opportunities with other schools, universities, and DVMs. So if you're really into that and you um, you decide you want to do that, I say go for it. Guns a-blazing. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I know that um, you and the other class officers have fantastic ideas for, to, for our class, um, and I'm just so excited to see what y'all are going to come up with. We're excited, so. for sure. Um, but uh, some of our other s- clubs here at TTUSVM, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out and mention is we mentioned the Companion Animal Club, the EP Club. We have um, the Bovine Practitioner Club as well, the student organization of that, our Food Animal Club, uh, the Starting Gate Program, TIVA, SAVMA, TVMA. You can be class officers, join the Wellness Committee, uh, merchandise committee, pet adoption committee, and then one really cool one is the Christian Veterinary Fellowship. And so you can actually go on mission trips, uh, which is something really cool. Our Some of our classmates got to do over Christmas break. And uh, so if you want to bring, you know, kind of your Christian values into vet med and see how that adds up, it's a pretty neat experience. Yeah. And it was a veterinary mission. So they actually, so they went and they spread the word of God to mm-hmm. the community. They went to Honduras. Honduras. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to the community, the human population. And then they also did a spay and neuter clinic yeah. uh, on the dogs. Some I, of our uh, first year students in our class. They some performed of our good friends, spays. Yeah. They got to spay mm-hmm. and maybe even neuter. I can't remember. I, I only heard about the spays, but yeah. I wouldn't surprise me if they also neutered too. But I mean, they were one semester into vet school and already got to do Mm -hmm. live animal surgeries. So that's another really good outlet with a lot of other good resources. Um, And so whether you think that there's an organization for you out there or not, 
Um, if you are really passionate about something, start your own mm-hmm. because more than likely you're not the only one that has the same passions. And here at Texas Tech, we've just started. You know, we're still a new program, so our organizations are, you know, barely off the ground. And and our first year, or, or I guess their second years now, the class of 25, have really paved the way for the clubs in our school. And so we appreciate them and the faculty for that. Because um, they worked their little booties off last did. spring to get everything together. And um, I know for VBMA, they had to be was it accredited or they had to be essentially approved yes at the national National conference yeah so it was january that they we finally got officially approved Mm -hmm. to be a chapter and so that's when we started having our meetings that actually um towards the certificate for the hours for that yeah um so they've really worked worked their little booties off to provide um clubs for for us and then the continuity of the uh, classes that follow and so they really are trailblazers yeah uh, and we're really thankful to have them and starting a new organization is tricky but it's doable um, our school shows and proves to you that you can still create new clubs and everything and committees and and so if uh, if any of this resonates with you you know if y'all are interested in any way of joining clubs or uh, holding a leadership position, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to hear from your clubs and maybe something in the future that we can do joined uh, virtual lectures and stuff like that. That'd be really neat Uh, because whether you're here in Texas or wherever across the states and out of the country, we will all be colleagues in Mm -hmm. the future, and I'd love if we'd all be able to get together especially with our shared goals and ideas. Yep. Okay, well, I think we need to move on to our win of the week, Caitlin. I know. We can sit here and talk about that forever. I know. We're really passionate about getting (laughs) involved. So my win of the week is uh, over spring break, which first off was much needed. I caught up on sleep, and I feel better. (laughs) Um, I got to celebrate and be a part of some of my best friend's weddings. Shayla and Cassidy got married, and, and I was so happy to be there and witness it. Uh, It's kind of a special thing, and it seems like love is kind of in the air, right, Carly? Love is in the air because I've been holding it back for so long, but Matt's sister, Sarah, got engaged to her boyfriend, now fiancé, Casey, uh, last Monday, so... Um, I finally get to say it. I wanted it to be my win of the week last week before spring break because yeah. I was just so excited because Casey's been talking to me. Like, he'll FaceTime me or he'll text me and be like, can you talk right now? <laughs> and I'm, like, in the middle of lab and I'm like, yeah, I can talk. <sighs> and he, like, FaceTimes me and he shows me this, like, flower arch that he had oh. that he's going to put on the beach uh, that he's going to propose under. So there's, like, a pretty backdrop. And he showed me the ring back in, like, th- at Thanksgiving. And so, like, I've been That's sitting awesome. on it since November and I'm dying. So anyways, I'm just so excited for them. I'm, I'm so happy for them, and um, it was really, really beautiful. So Well, congratulations. The, the Gray family has a couple weddings this yeah, year no, next year. It's not year. only me and Matt. It's now probably going to be <laughs> yeah. theirs next year. And then, you know, he has one more sister, and then Matt also has a brother. So you never know. Oh, there's the, Both there's of them the have list, been in yeah. pretty good relationships. So 
Um, oh, well, you know. these are some pretty great wins for the week. And so uh, you just got to take time to appreciate your family and other life events. So I'm glad that you were able to be a part of that. And, yeah. and I'm glad that I was able to be in, in my friend's wedding. Yeah, it's so exciting, exciting. to be be um, up there next to people whenever they want you It's emotional. It is, yeah. Like, I'm not married, and I don't I don't have a boyfriend or anything, but, oh, my gosh, it just makes me think I about love day. love. I just love love. Oh, my God, uh, I love it. Well, as always, if you have questions, concerns, um, email us at dvmloadingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to give us a five-star review. Only a five-star. That's yeah. the only thing that's uh, accepted. That'll be Carling's plug for the rest of our time here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and y'all have a blessed week, and uh, we'll see you next we'll time. We'll see you next week. Wreck'em. Wreck'em. Wreck